Good evening, church. Another Wednesday night during the pandemic. I hope you're doing well. If you need help, remember to call uh, your church staff, the office, call uh, one of the deacons, and we'll do all we can to help you. Uh, tonight, I wanted to look at Acts chapter 5, and, and really it's, it's about an attitude of obedience, all right? And so I wanted to pick up the story in Acts chapter 5, begin with verse 17. It says this, Then the high priest rose up, and all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees. The Sadducees were the liberal sect of the Jewish faith. The Pharisees were the conservative. The Sadducees did not believe in a resurrection. And uh, it says that the high priest rose up, and all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. But at night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go, stand in, the temple, stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Speaking of the life of Jesus. And when they heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest and those with him came and called the council together with all the elders of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. This would be... Uh, gathering of the Sanhedrin, who heard the religious matters facing Israel. Uh, but when the officers came and did not find them in the prison, they returned and reported, saying, Indeed, we found the prison doors shut securely, and the guards standing outside the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. And when the chief priest and the captain of the temple and the, uh, heard these things, they wondered what the outcome would be. So one came and told them, saying, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. The captain went with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people lest they should be stoned. When they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you to not teach in his name, in this name. And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your scripture. We thank you that you teach us. Uh, by your Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, just let your word go forth in truth and in power and accomplish what you want it to. Teach us from your word, Holy Spirit, and uh, Lord, uh, grow us from it. I pray especially, Holy Spirit, that if there are any sitting within the sound of my voice that have not accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior publicly, you will bring conviction about about that in their very lives right now and they'd want to do that and father bless us as we study together tonight in christ's name amen i want to look at uh, something that's not very popular in our culture right now and that is an attitude of obedience now 
Uh, we seem to have an attitude of violence, an attitude of uh, insubordination, an attitude of rebellion in our country. It's really an attitude of lawlessness that has been going on for several years now, and no one seems to know what to do about it. I think we have failed to remind people that we all have to obey someone sometime, and all of us choose whom we're going to obey. Uh, I uh, especially think that, that Christians need to learn that we are to obey God no matter what the cost. See, attitudes make all the difference, and obedience can be costly. It can be difficult. But genuine obedience is never, ever dull or boring. And we need to face our world with an attitude of obedience. And we need to do it that we realize that, above all, we obey God, whatever the cost to us. And so I want to look at this scripture and see some things about obedience that maybe we need to be reminded of. Maybe we need to teach our children or grandchildren, those ones that are around us, that, again, we're all obedient to someone in some way or to some cause in some way, and we choose to whom we obey. The first thing I see taught here is the priority of obedience. The priority of obedience. Again, verses 17 through 19 has a lot to say to us. It says, Then the high priest rose up, and all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation. These apostles have been teaching Jesus and the resurrection from the dead. They've been teaching that he is the long-awaited Messiah. They've been teaching that their religious authorities crucified him. All of that was true, but they were angry about it. And they were filled with indignation. They laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison uh, there outside the temple. But at night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them and said, Go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And as we drop down to verse 23, uh, it says, The guards have gone and they say they've found the prison shut securely. The guards stand outside the doors. Uh, the doors were locked, but there was no one in the prison. And they were wondering what was going to happen about that. And then it says in verse 25, so one came and told them saying, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. They're at it again. And the captain went with them, brought them back without violence. They were afraid the people would stone them. They didn't treat the apostles correctly. They set them in front of the council. This is the Jewish Sanhedrin, the, the Supreme Court of the Jews in all religious matters. And again, the high priest is speaking and saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? Look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on you. But Peter and the other apostles, in verse 29, answered and said, We ought to make God rather than men. And that was their answer. And so I see the priority of obedience. There was a command. There were really two commands here. One was from the uh, Sanhedrin. One was from the authority religiously for the Jewish nation. It was quit speaking in the name of Jesus. Quit teaching. Quit preaching. Don't do it anymore. And then to examine them further, they put them in the common prison. Now... That night, an angel of the Lord leads them out and locking the doors, and the doors are locked back, and they are told, do not stop, go to the temple, teach the people 
the words of this life, the life of Christ that he's offering to us, to them and to us. And so that's exactly what they do. The first thing the next morning, as soon as the temple opens, there they are. They're found there and they're brought back before this. And that leads to this. See, the high priest said, look, we command you not to teach in this name. And secondly, you're bringing this man's death on us. The one who's bringing his blood on us. You're, blood on us. you're inciting a riot against us, violence against us, by saying we did this. They did do it. There was no denying that. And so that leads to the question. You see, there's a command. And there's a priority of obedience. But we need to understand the question really is, whom do we choose to obey? I'm going to say that again. The question really is, whom do we choose to obey? Do we understand that? Peter replied in verse 29. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Do we understand that? The question is never just to obey or not to obey. The question is, whom do we obey? The Sanhedrin was requiring obedience not disobedience. Peter's reply was direct. It was succinct. We have to obey God rather than men. And he stated the principle that we as Christians need to live by. It's very simple. It doesn't matter the circumstances. We need to obey God. It doesn't matter the people involved. We need to obey, obey God. See, obedience to God in our life must come first. It's a priority. Um, I'm going to take it a step further. Do we understand that, that uh, obedience to God uh, takes priority over any other obedience in our lives? Uh, how, how do I want to say it? You see, everybody obeys something or someone, but we choose whom to obey. Um, Jesus uh, told them this in, in John chapter 8. Uh, Jesus said these words, beginning with verse 31. Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered and said, Then we are Abraham's descendants. We've never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? That was another law. The Romans, they had to, to be uh, uh, under their uh, dictatorship even at that time. And Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. A slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son, Jesus, makes you free, you shall be free indeed. We need to ask ourselves, whom are we choosing to obey? Uh, we need to ask ourselves, is obedience to God the top priority in our life above country, above family, uh, social grouping, or political parties, do we obey God? It does not give us license to be ugly. I want that understood. It does not give us license to be disingenuous or to lie. It does not give us a license to hate. All right? It gives us the freedom to obey God and be right with Him. We need to ask that we obey God. I remember one of the missionaries that came to our church as I was a young pastor, and he was a missionary in Africa, and he was a single guy. You know, I asked him what that was like, not having a big support group way back in the bush. And he said his support was his dog. And he had a, a mixed dog. It was part German Shepherd, part Golden Retriever, and extremely intelligent. He took it with him everywhere he went there in Africa. Uh, 
he said as he's in the village witnessing and preaching and living with the people, trying to gain their attention, he was on a two-year mission, uh, that he, he couldn't, as he's translating the Bible, uh, specifically the Gospels, into their language, he couldn't find a word for obedience. And one day as he's going, he sees his dog out there playing with some of theirs and everything, and he whistles for his dog. And his dog came immediately to him, as he always did. He'd been to obedience school. He came to him. He sat at his feet. He gave him the command for stay. He sat there. And the chief who had been talking to looked, and in his language he said, Your dog is all ear. All ear. And the missionary said he had his word for obedience. That pretty well describes us. Are we all ear to God? With God's commands, with the way we're to live, with what we're to do? See, when we love our neighbors, ourselves, uh, we obey God. When we love God uh, first in our lives, when we seek His kingdom first and His righteousness, uh, then we're all here. When, when we love God above everything else, we're all here. When, when we obey God, because Jesus said, if you, keep my, if you love me, keep my commands. And so when we obey God, we, we show our love to God. It shows up in our lives. It makes a difference in our lives. There's a priority of obedience. The prophet Samuel said that obedience is better than sacrifice. It's better than the burnt offering and the fat of rams. And disobedience is as witchcraft. All right? And idolatry. And yet we seem to think, oh, just a little bit of disobedience. Well, if your parents didn't teach you this... Uh, there's no such thing as a little bit of obedience. You either obey or you don't obey. We're always trying to sit the fence or skirt as wide around it as we can. And we do that with God. We, we want to take the Bible like a smorgasbord or a buffet in our day. And we want a little of this, a little of that, a little of the other, and the other we don't want. But either you accept it or you reject it. Either you obey or you do not obey. There's a priority in God's heart for those who obey. The first obedience we need is to repent of our sins and place our faith in Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. And then the second is be a disciple, to grow in Christ, to do what he says, to live like Jesus. And one of the hallmarks, one of the uh, cornerstones of any discipleship program is, do we obey what God says in his word? Do we believe it to the point that we obey it in our lives? Do we obey the Holy Spirit as he moves us to do things in his kingdom? And so what is our attitude about obedience? Our country is lacking on this. Everybody wants to do their own thing, their own way, in their own time. And they don't think anybody should interfere with that, what they want. The last time I checked, and this is going to upset some people, it's not politically correct. Last time I checked, those who do that, their own thing, their own way, and they throw a fit if they don't get it, is a two-year-old. The terrible twos, the trying threes, the fearsome fours, do we finally grow up enough at five that we're called the fine fives? They're babies. Do we understand that? You say, oh, you're making life too much. It's really serious stuff. Really serious stuff needs to be discussed. Really serious stuff needs to be addressed in our nation. But we do not address it by violence. We do not address it by mob rule. We do not address it, I believe, uh, by just force of power. We address it 
by loving one another the way Christ would have us to love and by obeying his commands and treating our neighbor as we want to be treated or loved ourselves. Obedience is a priority or should be for a Christian. The second thing I see is the purpose of obedience. We, we read those, those things. What is the purpose of the obedience? It's who do we decide to obey? That's very simple. The command is don't preach anymore. The angel says, go into the temple and teach the people the words of this life, the life they've been preaching, the life of Jesus, how they can have eternal life in his name and his only. And Peter and the other disciples are released, and they had a choice to make. Now think about it. Nobody likes to be arrested and mistreated. Nobody, unless there's something wrong with you, likes to spend time in jail. Uh, and yet they had a choice. Lord We'll tithe, we'll read our Bible, we'll pray, we'll be faithful in these areas. But we've got to do something about this preaching and being arrested all the time. Because this is at least the second time they're arrested. And, and they're scourged or beaten later. Okay, And they rejoice in the suffering. That's another story for another time. But do we understand that obedience can be costly, but we have to make the decision. Do we obey God or do we obey man or you know, do the two line up? Are they at odds with one another? And we have to decide who we're going to do. And it's an everyday decision. And rather than choosing between good and evil, oftentimes we have to choose what is best. And so the best thing is to obey God. That's the best for a Christian. And then there's the declaration. Uh, Peter's commanded, tell them the gift of life in Jesus Christ. Anything less would have been disobedience. He could have gone up to the temple to pray. He could have gone to give alms to the poor. He could have helped out with uh, anything there that they needed help in and help those people. But if he failed to tell them about Jesus, he was disobedient. If he failed to tell them about Jesus, he was disobedient. Jesus in John uh, chapter 26, I mean chapter 16, 15 verse 26 said this. But when the Helper comes, who I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. In other words, one of the things the Holy Spirit does is to help us witness. We don't have to do it alone. But that's one of the commands he just said very simply here. You're going to receive the Holy Spirit, whom we all receive the moment we're saved. And when we receive, we're to be witnesses of Jesus. He said it a different way. Matthew 28, verses, beginning with verse 18, he gave us our marching orders for a church. Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things uh, whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Again, he's with us in a special way because we're out doing witnessing. Now, one of the guys I, I grew up watching uh, in the Olympics was named Carl Lewis, and in 1984 he won four gold medals. Now, the question I have, let's say the first day, the first race he's getting ready to run, what if he was sick, he had the measles? And I was there, and I called the Olympic committee and said, I'll run for Carl. Now, what would they say? Would they have listened? No, because just being well is not the qualification for an Olympic athlete. There's training, there's natural gifting, there's all kinds of things. And it's that way with with 
with God. It's, it's more than just being immoral or moral. It's the attitude. It's the heart. Do we look for ways to glorify Jesus? The purpose of, of, of obedience is twofold. When we obey God, it makes us more like Christ. He lived a sinless life. He was always obedient to the Father. The second thing, not only to make us more Christ-like and drawing us closer to Him because of that, is to bring others through our witness about Christ. How are we able to live like this? How do we have peace in the midst of the circumstances? Why aren't we intrigued by sin and drawn by that? Well, we may be, but we resist that because we love God. We're becoming more like Christ. We want to obey Him. It's a witness in what we do and how we do it. And that's the purpose of obedience, to bring glory to the Father. Jesus said, you will show men your good works here on earth, and they will see it and glorify God in heaven. Not glorify us because we're good, great people, but glorify God. And that's the purpose of obedience, to help us be more Christ-like. And as we're more Christ-like, we walk closer with Him. And then uh, the corollary is, as we walk closer to Him and we're obedient, we have an avenue to testify. Again, the, one of the most important things is we treat everybody with the love of Christ. That earns us the chance and the voice to be a witness. Don't just shut out people when they're crying. I may not agree with everything that's going on. I don't agree with the lawlessness and the violence, but I do think that they have legitimate concerns that need to be addressed by our nation, by Christians, by white Christians. That's really going to make me unpopular for some of you. But it needs to be addressed. It's not fair. It's not just. And God is a God of justice and mercy and loving kindness. And we're to example that to those around us by obeying God. And they need to learn obedience too. And then there's the partnership of obedience. The partnership of obedience is in the last few verses. Uh, it says, <clears throat> these words, it, it says, But Peter and the other apostles answered in verse 29, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witness to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. There's a partnership there. And the partnership is this. He said, look, we don't bear our testimony alone. The Holy Spirit shares with us the responsibility. Again, we're not alone. And the problem is this, okay? The problem is uh, that people think they can obey everything and not be a witness. Do you understand? Being obedient is the first step in learning to be a witness. You can't choose to not do this, not do that, not do that, and fail to do good. James says, for him who knows to do good and does not good, to him it is sin. What more good could we do than share the gospel of Jesus in our communities, by the way we live, by our voices, by how we love? Do we understand that? It's kingdom work. All right? Not all of them will respond. Not all that respond and you need in a prayer to accept Christ are going to be baptized in our church. They might go to another church and say, boy, that was a waste of time. No, it wasn't. You just added to the kingdom of God. There's rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. Do we understand that? But too many of us are going in exactly the wrong direction. Rather than talking about obedience, rather than talking about Christ, rather than showing love, we're silent. And our silence is condemning. 
We're going the wrong direction as a church. Years and years ago, decades ago as a matter of fact, in 1988, uh, Douglas Corgan was 81 years old. He was from Santa Ana, California. He was flown to Dublin, Ireland as an honored guest for three days, uh, commemorated his flight 50 years earlier uh, across the Atlantic by himself. Now, the ceremony is quite different from the flight. Let me explain it. Corrigan had uh, worked at age 20 on uh, Lindbergh's plane. The Spirit of St. Louis as Lindbergh flew to Paris across the Atlantic by himself and all the celebration. Corrigan was not heralded that way as a hero. You see, the following year after he helped Lindbergh in 1927, uh, he... He, he got his own pilot's license. He bought a, uh, uh, a used monoplane for $310. He spent an additional $600 so he'd have enough gas and other things to fly across the Atlantic. And he was ready to do that, to fly on his own. But the authorities said his plane was too heavy. It was ill-equipped. It would not make it across the Atlantic. They forbade him to do it. He did get permission to fly from New York City to Los Angeles, California. He took off. Okay. In 1938, he took off. Okay, flying. He said as he was up there, as soon as he got to outside, his computer froze. His guy's computer, his compass froze. He guessed he flew the wrong way because when he dropped down out of the, uh, <clears throat> the air, okay, out of the fog, he knew he was in Long Beach. Okay, it took him 28 hours and 13 minutes. He knew he was getting low on fuel, so he dropped down to see if he was at Long Beach yet. And he looked, and the, the place was totally green. There were thatched roofs, houses, and other things. He didn't know quite where he was, but he found an airfield, a, uh, a field, and he landed. And he happened to be in Dublin, Ireland. Okay, and I'm thinking, wow. From that moment on, he was known as Wrong Way Corrigan. He had flown exactly in the opposite direction he was supposed to. And people in his day, in his generation, who thought they were going the right way, they were going the wrong way, were known as wrong way Corgans. And there are many, many people today who are going in the wrong direction thinking they've got their own way, that they got their own world by the tail, thinking that they somehow will have it made going that way. The Bible says it this way. There's a way which seems right to man, but its end is the way of death. That's Proverbs 14, 12. And one of the signs that you belong to Christ is going the right way. Is obeying Him. Is obeying the Bible. Do we have that attitude of obedience? Or are we constantly rebelling against God and His Word? And we need to ask, which one are we doing? Which one are we examining our children, our grandchildren, our neighbors, our fellow church members? Which one do we lift up? An attitude of disobedience, an attitude of, I don't have to do that. An attitude of, oh, that's not right. An attitude of, oh, or an attitude of, Lord, I submit to you anything you would have me do. It even goes to our government, unless the government is really causing us problems, as some governments do, not here in the United States, but even in our, in our land. Our, our governor, no matter what you think, is not dictator as some governors are trying to be in the United States. When he asks us to wear masks, it's because it keeps others from getting it, not keeping us from getting it. It doesn't have to be something that's odious. It doesn't have to be something that we have to totally, totally rebel against. It's not something that we have to not do social distancing. If we love our neighbor as ourselves, don't we want them not to get sick? Don't we want them not to be sick and give it to us? 
And wearing a mask helps that. That's a small price to play. Six foot difference. Now I agree, if it continues on, then we're going to have to reevaluate and say this isn't working. And we'll have to do something different. But, but this spirit of disobedience is, is not from God. Do we understand that? Some of you are really mad at me right now. You're wanting to turn the, the video off, and that's your right. But see, just a little bit of disobedience in our lives spreads to our spirit. And once it spreads to our spirit, then we don't have to do this, we don't have to do that. And I don't believe in a checklist Christianity. You have to read your Bible every day, you have to do this, this. I think you want to do that because you want to obey God. But I'm not about the checklist, but I'm saying, do we have that spirit that we want to glorify the Father in heaven? Do we want to be examples at, at work and at school and in our communities of what a Christian really is? Because most people don't want to become Christians because they haven't seen a biblical Christian that obeys God, that loves the neighbors, that strives to please God in their lives. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed the lesson. I hope you'll think about what the Bible says and read this story over and see how God speaks to you. Maybe you can come up with some application I didn't manage to get or some insight I didn't give you. The Holy Spirit will do that for you if you ask Him. We're done. Till next time, we'll see you later, church.